Hello and welcome to the Overly Animated Podcast, where we take animation seriously. I'm Beatrice Murad, and today I'm joined by Alex Bonilla. Hello. And Sam Quattro. Hi. Today we will be recapping the third and fourth episodes of She-Ra Season 4, Flutterina and Pulse, which dropped along with the rest of the season earlier this month. Warning, all of us have seen Season 4 in its entirety. We will be discussing these episodes and how they interact with the rest of the season. So spoilers, spoilers, spoilers for everything in Season 4, but especially for these two episodes. Um, you can find more about this podcast at OverlyAnimated.com. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or on YouTube at YouTube.com slash OverlyAnimated. Um, so yeah, tell me, what are your general thoughts on these two episodes, Alex? So I feel weird about these episodes because I get the sense, I got the feeling that they were even more set up-y than the first two episodes. Yeah. Like I, I got I got a lot of fun out of the first two episodes. I thought those worked well standalones. These episodes, I mean, they still have their moments, but like they definitely feel even more to the point of like serving the, the story, but without being as fun by itself. Um, I will say that episode three of Flood Arena has a lot of uh, good Catra double trouble stuff. So that's always a positive in this right. season. Uh, and uh, and Bo and Adora have, have their chemistry that it reminded me a lot of like their season one interactions because Adora acts pretty similar <laughs> as she did in season one to like, whoa, parties, whoa, attention. What is this? <laughs> I feel like we I feel like we haven't gotten this this side of Adora in a while. So it felt like a good throwback in that sense. So like episode three, I would probably choose that over episode four. But uh yeah, I think that these are even more obviously like way ways for us to get to the meat of this story. But this because of that like it, it kind it kind of gets hard to keep your focus on on them, but they have their moments. So also episode four, Glimmer and Shadow Weaver. That's a a big yeah. point of the season, and I think that that scene was really well done. So I enjoyed that part as well. So we'll we'll get into all these like little pieces, and I think that there are a lot of good pieces, but I'm not sure that they all come together to make great episode. Yeah, yeah. What about you, Sam? Do you agree? So, yeah, I do agree that these are kind of like set up episodes with things that will be important later on, especially the Flood Arena stuff. Uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, they kind of harken back a little bit to me what season one felt like. It felt like, oh, we're just fighting the bots. We're going from this place to the other. We're doing the things. It's fine while it's happening, but I personally wouldn't call either of these like one of my favorites or that they had too much to stand out from the typical formula. I mean, obviously we have plot stuff going on with double trouble. Uh, obviously we have, you know, a uh, Spinnerella and Natasha, 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 Natasha. Yeah. Natasha. Yes. Yes. That's such a name. Yeah. That's obviously a name. we have them, but like, there's nothing, not nothing, but like things that I personally like to latch on to, there's not that much of that here. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, I, I I do want to point out something important that Sam mentions here: the bots. Like this was yeah. a big complaint from the previous seasons, right? It's like the bots are technology; they have no personality. Yep. So it's really hard for me to pay attention when there's a full episode of okay, these are new bots. We got to figure out what they do, and then we take them down. But there's no there's no connection to the villain yeah. there. 
as opposed to when they're fighting a Catra or when they're fighting a Scorpia. I don't know. So that that that's a big part of what I think makes episode four feel off because just just that like they're fighting against something that I get that you've spent five seasons trying to convince me that these are <laughs> very powerful foes. But I just cannot bring myself to really invest myself in taking down another big round metal fit, metal ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I agree with everyone here. Um, I, yeah, like I, and also I don't like how, and I, I mean, I agree, Sam. These are very the, these feel like season one episodes, but I would argue they're pretty. They're like a a a not a, a knockoff of season one because mm. at least in season one. Even if you take out the bots, at least there, there. I think it established those episodes established more stakes. Whereas with these two episodes, despite everything happening, I was just like, "Where are the stakes?" I know that the, the, I felt like the mission seemed meaningless. Like the things, I just they didn't feel like there was a lot on it. Even though there is, it didn't feel like it. like. It's crazy. Like Bo gets knocked out this episode. I know. <laughs> like, I know. She raw powers like turn a bomb, and like somehow that doesn't feel high stakes enough. I don't get it. <laughs> I know. It's so strange. Like I mean, and in, in that, and for instance, in that moment, um, and that was that was episode four, and in that moment, I remember being like, "Oh, we're going dark. Oh, this is big," and then it ends up being it's all fine and everything's okay. Um, and I mean, even same with uh, episode three with uh, the fluttering episode when like suddenly like. Shira comes back to the party and everyone's gone and everything's devastated like that is pretty dark and I thought we'd go explore that a little bit more and instead we it, it it all works out in the end it's weird it's like kind of like it's it's one of those things where it's like okay they're I don't I don't know it, 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 I think Double Trouble mentions how it's like oh like espionage this is all like this is a long game this is all this is like this is like you meticulous like subtle it's not big boom like big moment type of thing and I, even then i still think like there there are no uh stay i still felt bo- it, it was very boring to me um i found i think of of this season these two episodes are the weakest um i think is safe to say there are you uh alex you're right that 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 there are moments there are particular moments that are that shine and are very important to the rest of the season and dropping and planting these seeds of how everything's going to come together. But it, I don't know. I just felt like, you know, it just wasn't that interesting. Um, I, yeah, they just, they, they, it's weird. It's kind of like, it's like as if, it's as if they were like, okay, we have these two episodes to like, we had to, we can't have everything happen all at once. So we have these two episodes to kind of fill things in. And it, it, they felt like fillers, even though they're not, because there's still big things that happen to them. It's very strange. Um, but let's dive into episode three, Flutterina. Uh, before, yeah, well, let's start with how it opens, um, which is this nightmare that Katra has, which is really interesting. Um, I, I mean, it's basically you have Katra seeing Entrapta, going, reliving that moment where she betrays Entrapta and sends her to Beast Island. And then you have her seeing Adora. And Adora telling her, why did you do it? Whether it's, why did you open the portal? Or, why did you do that to Entrapta? It could be either or. But I thought that was, this was like a very interesting kind of scene, especially to open up. Because Adora still remains Catra's moral compass. And I don't know if it's, or rather like moral meter. Because she's still the one that Catra is seeking approval of. 
Like, cause she's yeah. the one that, that Katra looks to and says, did I do this right or did I do this wrong? Like, what do you think of me? Your opinion matters more than everyone else's. So I'm just curious how, what you guys took from this particular scene, from this nightmare. Um, Sam. Well, I, I don't know. I didn't think of it that way that, like, Adora is Katra's moral, comp- moral compass. But I do, like, that take. And, and you know what? I think I'll adopt it. It's mine now. I agree. Wow. Take it. Take I mean, it. I, I think that's like a really human thing, even though like, you know, if you're having a fight with somebody or if, you know, you're not as close to somebody as you used to be, uh, you still find yourself caring what they think of things. Like, even if you're not connected anymore, even if their opinion shouldn't matter, right. like, I know personally, like, I've done that where I'm like, oh, I wonder what this person would think of this. I should do what they think. Wait, no, I haven't talked to this person in, like, five years. What am I doing? So I, I think that's, like, one of the little nice human moments that always gets sprinkled in to she that I like. Yeah, I, I would say that this scene is important just to remind you, like, hey, look, Katra's not totally a heartless person. Like, she is dealing with, like, internal struggles, and she's uh, exposing them outside in terms of being ho- hostile to pretty much everyone who comes in contact with her. But on the inside, she is she does have guilt, even as she, like, does her best to deflect it at every chance she gets. So that that was... Uh, there was a... It was a part- uh, it was especially powerful to see her like just like it, sleeping like without her mask on or anything like yeah. that. Like it, it, it's it's just felt like a much rawer Catra, rawer Catra than we've been allowed to to see up to this point in the show. I feel like I don't know if it was Noel who tweeted it or if it was just somebody else, but somebody said uh, the reason why Catra's hair is like that's because she cut off her bangs because I don't know different. she wanted to like. She wanted to change herself and like uh, get rid of like this uh, juvenile or you know part of herself that was like not connect not, that she wasn't connecting with anymore. Which I can also relate to. I channel my impulses and feelings through my hair as well. I like that. Yeah, yeah. This is the first look at Catra Zoo, and interesting. I think of the, the only two characters that go through changes in hair are Catra and Glimmer, right? Mm. That, that parallels. Does that mean something? <laughs> it means that for the end. Yeah, Maybe. It, 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 it's both of them dealing with the struggles of power and the struggles of adding responsibilities that they were unprepared to have to deal with. And so they cut their hair. <laughs> well, I think Glimmer just styled it differently. I don't know if she cut it, but um but yeah, that's interesting. That's a that I just I just I just thought of that that little uh, bit of information. Um, and it, it, I think it's fair to say that this is this was a tough episode for Scorpia in relation to Catra because Catra just uses Scorpia as a punching bag at the, in this episode. It's basically be mean to Scorpia day in this episode. Um, did it hurt anyone as much as it hurt me to like yeah. con- uh, continue to see Scorpia? Like, yes, we know later on in the season, um, Scorpia finally stands up for herself and 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 stuff but what it's still very pain it was still just i guess this is like the reminder episode of just how unhealthy the relate the relationship is at the moment yeah how bad like catra treats scorpia and you know thankfully scorpia walks away from that but it hurts man yeah you know this is what angst fanfic is all about really <laughs> and, and- 
in the first episode, I think we commented on like Scorpia giving like kind of a a, a perturbed look when Catra pushes her up against the wall, and that's like the first sign of trouble going on. And like here in episode three as well, I think that that moment where where Catra's just like we're not friends, and like you can tell like Scorpia's face changes a little yeah. bit, like oh oh no, like this is wrong. So like so like slowly we're seeing the piece the pieces of Scorpia's facade fall away as she continues to get beaten up emotionally by Catra throughout this yeah. season. I think, and I, and this is one of the reasons why I love Scorpia so much, is that when do we see a, a, a character who is, like, on, on the villain side of things that is so optimistic, that is just so earnest and, and, and just wishes for the best, and... And you're seeing, and what you're seeing here is her kind of losing that optimism of just hoping for the, think is trying to find the best in Katra and trying to be like, oh no, she's just having a, hard, a bad day or I'm whatever. And it's just, it's so painful. It's so harsh. Uh, oh, my poor, my poor Scorpia. Um, <laughs> but let's talk about, um, so well, that's all happening. Also, that's ha- also something that's happening in the Horde that's worth always pointing out. Hordak is still sad about Entrapta. <laughs> still sad. Entraptak, the little crows that, that, we got this season. That, that line where he's just like looking at like a wrench or something. He's like, did you really do it, Entrapta? It's like, 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 no, like, when he finds the coin that's Bo's like technology. Oh, he's like, is this your work? Is this your doing, Entrapta? And I'm just like, oh, Hordak, you're still stuck on her. Uh, anyway, okay, that's as far as Entraptak goes. Entraptak goes because that's as, all we got from this episode. But but that's a lot, okay? That is it's, a lot. It, it, she can't she can't leave his thoughts because she's haunting remind- him, just like yeah. she's haunting Katra, but in a different way. Um. So let's talk about. So well, that's all happening with the horde. Um. They're ta- basically the setup of the episode is that they're. Uh, Katra is fighting with Hordak about this place called Elberon, which. Hordak's like, we have to control Elberon. Catra's like, no, but who cares about Elberon? We need to focus on bigger things. Um, Elberon being this town that Adora and Bo went to free from Horde from Horde control. I have one question for you guys. Why does Elberon matter strategically? I don't think it does. It's, it's, I think uh-huh. that Hordak... I, I think that Hordak is a quite the single-minded kind of of uh, war person. It's like, oh, we just got to get as much territory as possible. That's it. That doesn't. That I don't care about strategic importance of land or anything. It's just if we can get it, let's take it. So I think that's Hordak's strategy, and that's why Catra is there to balance out. Like, hey, look, it doesn't matter, but we can use this to make a better move in the future and so the and then they devise this whole plan like we don't actually care about taking over elbrum we care about just manipulating the situation so we get double trouble into their group so like that is like very amazing planning by katrin i'm not sure how she managed to get make this kind of plan but like it's 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 a strong way to manipulate both the the, the our best friend crew and also she's manipulating hordak because like she knows like Hordak doesn't really care about the strategy stuff, but like he wants this town, and I guess I'll just use this opportunity to do my stuff. Okay. Um, can I just say that this is why I think these two this is like this kind of uh uh reasoning that the show show that the show puts forth for us is one of the reasons why these two episodes lack stakes for me. Because if they if say for instance, if 
Elberon had actually been like some uh, 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 a, a, a village or town that um actually has some sort of strategic placement on the map of of of, of Etheria. Then and then like having Catra being able to convince Hordak to not do the the strategic thing and to think long goal, long plan thing or something. I think like if that had been the case, if that had been established, which by the way, I'm not saying they should spend like 10 minutes on this. They should just just like a throwaway line of just like, it's like strategically placed and blah, blah, blah. I feel like the stakes would have just been that much. The missing stakes of this episode would have just actually been there. Like it would have been solved easily. Because for a long time, I'm just thinking like, why does Elberon matter? Like, and if, like, I don't know. I just think it, it, it was a way to kind of dumb down um, Hordak in a way that was unnecessary. I'm like, I just, I want, if they're going to give me like a war, give me something to work with here. Don't make it all just like, oh, like, we're just going to kidnap these people and then we're just going to let them go and all like the Horde soldiers are going to disappear magically once She-Ra does her thing. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's just, there's just a lot here that I'm like, there are these little moments, and this is, like, really the first one, where it's like, all right, here's a moment to actually give us some stakes for the episode, and sure, we know that by the end of the episode, everything's gonna be resolved, but you can give us some sort of thing of, like, oh, well, this mattered, this, there was, like, a, there's a, there's a cost to making these choices, if that makes any sense. Yeah, and apologies if this is jumping ahead a bit too much, but I think that what you know about Flood Arena makes a huge difference totally. in how you consume this episode. Because, like, if if you're on first watch and you don't know that, or you haven't perceived that Flood Arena is a spy, then I would totally agree. You're like, what does any of this action matter at all? Like, we're just, like, a random town, and there's this, like, random girl who's, like, popping up in places <laughs> and, like, uh, doing stuff. And it's just, like, a very, like, back-and-forth thing. But it, on second watch, it's like, oh, okay, I'm seeing, like, the little machinations that are going on and, like, manipulating the, these people into believing that Flood Arena can join this game. Thing. So like when I so because of like I don't really remember. I mean, my problem is that I was spoiled on the first watch, so I already, I already knew from first watch that that oh, it was a spy. Oh. So like I didn't experience the episode without that knowledge, but I can totally see that if you're watching this episode for the first time and you don't know you don't have that information it's like well what is going on here maybe that makes the twist at the end better but it makes the whole episode before that a bit like okay what's going on but with that information i think that this episode works a lot better i think it works better but i do still think that i think i do still think like we could have had like something to be like okay well why does elberon even matter it could have been any city you know what i mean it could have been anywhere so why is it that it's right at this moment that we're going to do this like, you know what I mean? I, I just wanted the decision to go with double trouble, like the choice to matter a little bit more. But, um, but Sam, do, do you, uh, one, did you know about the fluttering of twist when you first watched it on first watch? And do you, do, is Elbron something, does, is it in the grand scheme of things, like it doesn't matter. Elbron doesn't really matter. Which Yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> like, like I, I, I'm not here for the political intrigue or war stuff, honestly. Um, to answer the first question, I didn't know about Flutterina the first time around, but I think I said this in the season recap podcast, when I was watching it the second time, I was really looking for, was Flutterina a real person? Okay, I or, had a whole section about this, but continue. Yeah, but was she a real person or was she just something that Jumble Trouble made up? Okay, and yeah. I think 
it might be the latter, honestly. And that bothers me because this town is not acknowledging this random child <laughs> who belongs to nobody. There's like, oh, there's... Whatever. I've never seen this kid before. Whose kid is this? There's only so many moth people in the world. So, look, like... Oh. Also, like, this uh, the, this leader person was like, oh, this was supposed to be small, but then the whole town figured out, and, like, all these people showed up out of nowhere to do this party. So, like, what if it's just, a, I mean, do you know everyone who lives in your neighborhood? Probably not. So, <laughs> it's like, no, oh, okay, there's like, just a bunch seem, of kids here. They seem like a tight-knit community. Do they? I mean, and I mean, they I'm don't... Yeah. They don't have, like, video games and stuff to keep them indoors and away from their neighbors. So, like, I don't know. It seems a bit unrealistic yeah. to me. I mean, if to be fair, I mean, they had been fight been under control of the Horde. So I wouldn't be surprised if they started doing, mm-hmm. like, body count. Like, who's here? Who's alive? Like, we got to make sure everyone's, like, you know. Um, but I will say I did have this whole section that I had to take away because while I was writing the outline for episode three, because then I saw episode four and it actually gives us the answer to Flutterina. Because at first I was like, did, did Double Trouble kill Flutterina? Was there like a switch where, where Flutterina at one point actually was Flutterina and then Double Trouble comes in and it's like, when exactly is there the switch? But in episode four, Double Trouble, like, Catra asks Double Trouble about Flutterina and Flutter, and Double Trouble goes like, oh, uh, Flutterina's my greatest creation i thought blah 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 yeah. so i think it's i think fluttering is just purely a made-up person i hate could you, that could you imagine if we just saw like like episode seven double trouble like opening their closet and there's just like a kidnapped kid like, i mean honestly <laughs> i, I kind of would have preferred that. that i would have preferred that to be honest because it would show you just like you know how villainous these villains are you know it's it's even it, it, i would have preferred double trouble have killed a child and just been like yeah i am i will do what i have to do to get my money you know yeah, i was expecting that other shoe to drop because i okay admittedly when on first watch i wasn't fully paying attention to the episode flutterina my bad i got a little bit distracted i was like oh like obviously that's double trouble now because we know that's what double trouble does they like turn into other people so where's the real flutterina and I was waiting for that to happen, and it never did. Yeah, yeah, and the, yeah, and the, and you do bring up uh, bring up a good point of just of just um, where does no one recognize this child? I mean, no. I mean, it, ba- basically, Double Trouble just crashed a huge party and just got away with it, which is also kind of awesome. Um, but <laughs> but That's yeah, how you gotta do it. You just show up to parties that nobody's gonna recognize you because there's too many people, and you win. Yeah. 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 Party crashing 101. <laughs> there you go. Um I will say I also I didn't know uh that about the twist I the, on first watch. It was and and I was in Alex you're right on, by the end of it before the twist is revealed, I thought what is the point of this? What's going on? And then I felt once the twist was revealed, I felt very dumb because I thought, yes, they just introduced us to a shapeshifter. Of course, they're going to use them to, <laughs> yeah. to infiltrate the camp. Like, I mean, I, I was just like, wow, I, I, I felt very silly. Um, but yeah, so we have this, uh, this party cut short because Bo and Adora saved it, saved the city, the town. And then, they're having celebration. Suddenly, gasp! Uh, a horde bot shows up. So they're like, "Okay." Adora's like, "Don't worry, I got this." Um, and Adora goes with Swiftwind, leaves Bo with uh, with the people there, and then when she comes back, the party is abandoned, and the only person she finds is Flutterina. Um, so 
yeah, then they go. They 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 go save um the villagers from Catra and Scorpio well, and Bo, the Horde. Bo, Bo saves the villagers. Yeah, the Bo saves doesn't the villagers. Really do Which, much. by the way, like I know that they kind of set up Bo saving the villagers with the coin because he was doing magic, and then of course, like, haha, you still have the coin from the magic trick, but. That's a pretty powerful coin. Literally, all it takes is just the coin to break that shield. Are you kidding me? I'm just, I'm, and I, th- I think this is one of those things where, again, I'm just finding, especially with these um, four episodes to start off. And in general, I don't think Shira has ever been like a great action show. Like in terms of the action Shira, it's never been like kind of crazy in a way. It kind of reminds me of Sailor Moon, where usually it's just this like one power move that Sailor Moon does that just fixes everything. Um, but it just kind of, for me, it just kind of got out of hand where Bo literally all, all Bo does is throw an arrow and then everything's fixed and he, and he saves the villagers, which to me is just a little too easy. Um, but I don't know. I, I mean, again, granted, maybe it's intentionally easy because they want them to get away so that Flutterina can infiltrate the camp. Um, it's all part of the master it's plan. It's all part of the master plan. But, you know, it could have been like a little bit interesting or exciting. I don't know. I mean, if that's the case, they shouldn't have taken away his bow. You know what I mean? <laughs> if they wanted to make it easy, go all the way. Um, but yeah, d- the, the, no, like by, by the way, yeah. Florina like fully selling the acting, like throwing a rock at Catra in the middle. Oh yeah, of that, that was brilliant. I was just like, oh, can we please have like, and we don't hear from it again. We don't hear no. about that. Catra does not mention it ever again, which I was very disappointed with. Yeah, Catra's um, a good actress. She was somehow like she's like, oh okay, I know you're doing this for the bit, so I will fly with this, <laughs> which is yeah. which is uh, like not something I'd expect out of Catra, but good for her. She's. Willing to do things that are sort of funny for yeah, but, for the point. Yeah, but something interesting is that Catra doesn't tell Scorpio about the plan. The only people who know about the clam, uh, the clam, the plan are Hordak, Catra, and Double Trouble. So isn't that? I mean, I feel like that's a pretty big thing because usually Scorpio is like right there with Catra. I wonder if if it was the if this is just further. It, I mean, it's interesting because. Catra kind of just glomps on to double, double trouble. Clearly, Catra's just like, I want a friend. But um, there's this kind of, I feel like she, after the whole portal thing, after the whole, whole Entrapta thing, she doesn't trust even Scorpia anymore. Which isn't, I don't know. When, and like, Scorpia's never, has always been someone that, that Catra can count on by just, like, just how we're seeing cracks in, Adora and Glimmer and their relationship and the trust that they have with one another. We are, we, we did see that in these, at least in these four episodes, we do see that with Scorpia. But it's just not as emphasized because we're rooting for Scorpia to see the bad in Catra in a way. But I thought that was a really interesting kind of, um, uh, detail to note. Um, but what do, do, do we, what do you think is like Scorpia's opinion of Double Trouble now? Based on, like, everything. Like, do you think, like, because I don't think we get, I, I kind of wish we had gotten a little bit more interaction between Double Trouble and Scorpia. Maybe, like, more of a, of a, I don't know, maybe, I'm not, I wouldn't say jealousy, but, you know, kind of like, oh, like, now you're her right hand person and I don't want, I, like, what the heck? Do, do, do you need, did you oh. need that or no? So, Sam, you seem like the cipher on Scorpio emotions. How would Scorpio okay. feel about this? All right. Well, I'm, well, okay. 
I don't think Scorpia is jealous of Double Trouble. I think she might just be a little bit off put by them. A little bit like, hmm, I don't know. Like maybe she just doesn't know how to feel because she wants to be so secure in that, oh, Catra needs me, a good friend, and not like this espionage mastermind, you know? So I don't like, I don't. No, she has an opinion on Double Trouble. Uh, I think that Scorpio subscribes to the theory that you're allowed to have many friends. And so I think yeah. that she, deep down she's happy that Catra has someone else that she can lean on. But the problem is that she's also being hurt at the same time. Like, oh, Catra doesn't trust me. But yeah. I, don't think that she, I don't think that she blames Double Trouble for that. Because I think that she is smart enough to see those as two different issues. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. like Scorpio is struggling to like keep her optimism for Catra, but she's probably rooting inside. Like, yeah, Catra, Devil Trouble, be friends. You, you guys enjoy each other's company. Each other's company. Be, yeah. Fr- friends are good. Love is good. <laughs> I think that's how Scorpio thinks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, Scorpio was a little jealous of Adora, so I don't know. That's why that I think that's where it came from. I mean, I'm going back to what season two, I think. Yeah, and that was, was like that a episode? different situation it where was, like it was. It was. Yeah, she was, like, she was kind of drunk a little bit. I don't know if it, drunk is the right word because she didn't drink alcohol, but she was like kind of poisoned. Well, I don't even remember that episode that well. Yeah, it, it was like, like uh, the first one's tech that was yeah, poisoned. Yeah, yeah, that's different though. That's like Scorpia being jealous of their relationship, right? Yeah, that's which like, obviously <laughs> have romantic connotations, right? And, and right, also, right. Scorpia knows that like Adora and Catra grew up together, so like that's like a much stronger bond that she needs to fight against versus Catra and Double Trouble, who have just met. So she doesn't feel as threatened by that. Right. Right. Fair, fair, fair. And yeah, Scorpio is in a different place now. Um, uh, but yeah, that's that's really it for for episode three. Do you have any other comments of Flutterina? Or are we good uh, for episode? Yeah, just, uh, just I mentioned in the opening thoughts, but like Adora and Bo together in this episode have some uh, decent back and forth, very reminiscent of season one. Like, you know, just like taking it all in, being excited about uh, being Shira, Adora is very is very excited. Like, wow, they're telling stories about me, not yeah. about the past Shiraz, you know. Like that. So just a, a, obviously, we're setting her up to be disappointed in herself for accepting oh, the praise, which hurts because she deserves praise. Like she shouldn't feel bad about that, but yeah. because of all this other stuff goes on, and she's made to feel bad about it. So Adora, you know, she 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 should enjoy life and not let the circumstances get to her. But just, I, I, the, obviously the party stuff is, you know, so, the very, very side stuff. But I at least enjoy, enjoy Adora and Bo hanging out. Yeah, we miss Glimmer. I like that they hang up on Glimmer. Yeah. <laughs> I'm saying we miss Glimmer. And Sam's like, I like that they hung up on her. All right, uh, it's like I don't like Glimmer. I like Glimmer. It's just, okay. I do like the plot line this season of, like, Glimmer and Glimmer... Versus Bo and Adora. Yeah. Not versus, but like them having a wedge driven between. And yeah, this episode does aid to that in a small way, but nonetheless. Yeah, yeah. I will say this is the start of the strong Swift Wind episodes. Mm-hmm. And just that Swift nope. Wind mm-hmm. is not as annoying. Alex, you mentioned in the last pod that that Swift Wind is like better. I said that. I said that, but now rewatching these episodes. <laughs> You're backtracking. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, I need to see the second. Maybe it's the second half of the season that made me think that. But like, he's not that much improved in these two episodes. Like, especially episode four, he gets to be pretty annoying. But uh, yeah, is I mean, he better, or is there just more of him that you need to tolerate? I don't know. Mm. I think it's that the, that I think it's that there's less of him. I think it's like it, there's less of an emphasis on him. Like, so he. He just shows up for like, for, and it's funny because at least for instance, like in episode four, when he says, does someone say Swift win? And then Glimmer being like, no one said Swift win. So it's just kind of, you know, I, again, I, I stand by them really just making everyone aware that he's annoying, which is great. But yeah, I, I mean, I do think it's, it's better. We're just, we're getting him in smaller doses, which makes it better, but. Clearly, I, you convinced me, Alex, and now you're backtracking. So <laughs> Look, I, now I, I'm I, left I, alone I, with Swift Wind. I need more proof. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, um, all right. Well, then we'll move on to episode four, Pulse. So this, I think, I think episode four, even of episode three and four, episode four is the weakest of the two. But despite that, it's like I understand why we needed episode four because we did need an episode to show that they're like the 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 fallout of there being a mole in 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 the Shira side of things. Like obviously, they were gonna have to struggle and that people and that missions were gonna keep failing because there's a mole. And obviously, this was important because the season's best episode, Mer Mysteries, was like. If without this episode, more mysteries wouldn't have worked as well because we didn't need this. But again, it's just fighting more bots. And um, I'm curious. I mean, we do see in the episode Glimmer struggling once again with being away from the action. Um, and we see, I mean, I forgot how much of Glimmer was in this episode until I watched it again. But Not enough Glimmer in my I, that, Okay, thank you, thank you. Because I know that Noelle said that this season was Glimmer season. And I really wanted, if there was ever going to be an episode that was going to be like really capturing how it feels to be on the other side of things, how it feels to be Glimmer, like getting hung up on by Bo and Adora and being lied to about the things that are happening in the missions and like missing out on the action and having to face it. I really kind of wanted this episode to just be from Glimmer's perspective and have her just keep sending people out on missions and then getting the information back that it failed and it failed and people are hurt and all this. Like imagine if... I, I know it's weird. It's it's one of those things where like it's yes, the show is called Shira, so of course Shira has to. I feel like they, they felt like Shira has to be in the episode always, but I don't think so. I think it would have. We've had episodes in the past that have just been solely on Catra and Scorpia and and the Horde. So I'm like, why can't we have just a solo episode of Glimmer and getting really into the psyche of what it's like to be a ruler that is not allowed to be out there with her friends and the consequences of her making these decisions as a leader. I mean, we do see it, but I kind of wanted them to really kind of lean in on that. Did you guys feel like that was necessary or is, is, is what the episode gave us fine? I'm Sam. Hmm. Uh, I think that the episode was fine. I mean, I don't know. That's, I don't know, man. Uh, well, it, 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 <laughs> I will say, like, look, I, I want more glimmer, obviously, but at the same, 
I think that the blame is more on the, the action side of this episode not being as compelling. So that's right. why I want to go back to like the emotional manipulation between Glimmer and Shadow Weaver. Right. Because that's more stimulating. But like I, I can have fun with She-Ra and Bo and Natasa and Spinarella. That the, they they have a good time together. I just wish that, that the like the stuff they were doing was more substantial. So I think that's more the problem than there. Because I, I will say, like this this scene in particular with Glimmer and Shadow Weaver is very strong and it sets up a lot of her actions going forward like mere mysteries so like it I think that's asking for more Glimmer in this episode is warranted but also I think that there's enough in this episode right. to set up what's going to happen what the Glimmer's actions and the rift that continues to grow because of this conversation yeah Glimmer gets her time in the not sun in the, dark. in the dark. <laughs> no, totally. I do. I mean, I agree with you. I just kind of wish they really kind of made a more like a stronger choice on that front. But I agree with you. We do get a lot of glimmer. Um, something that's really interesting is, and I feel like this uh, this season overall is just really, and it has, it, we've seen this in the past. Like the glimmer Catra tension has always been something that has fascinated me. And the fact that glimmer goes uh after after Bo gets hurt and she goes it's it's Catra's fault just being like oh next season's gonna be so fun because you know Glimmer and Catra do not get along like that fight between them at the end of the episode was so enjoyable just because seeing them go off at each other was just fantastic um but before we get into Catra let's talk about Shadow Weaver and Glimmer Alex um yes. so basically this is the start of shadow weaver's influence um we we see that you know she's like gardening and it's like creating these magical plants and everyone's just letting her um and we and she i guess i guess you could say she she, she isn't the one i mean did, is she the one that kind of suggested using adora as a decoy um or was that just like something that glimmer just came to I, I think, herself I think like she set up the situation like she set up the situation so that glimmer could come to that conclusion 100 percent um but i don't know like what do you think of like that entire kind of conversation that they have well look the part that i lean on to is that shadow weaver is very wise to continue hammering at glimmer's family as like ways to get her to do things like she'll yeah. bring up micah to be like oh you're power you're more powerful than micah like because like you hold your dad in like this pedestal so like if i compare you to him that's like being very very flattering and then it's like but hey you're being too much like your mom and like glimmer obviously has always struggled with not wanting to be like her mom so it's like right. whoa 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 so like that. So like she knows what buttons to push, and it's like so masterfully devious the way that she she talks to her, and it's like she gets to this point like you got to choose what what kind of queen you want to be. So like she's like slowly pushing her to be like you know make your own decisions. You don't need to consult your friends to do these things. You're the queen. You can do whatever you want, and like that that kind of thinking ends up infecting her her decisions later on in the season. But because like of the and like I think it's interesting because uh, probably what's going on is that Shadow Weaver wants more control over Glimmer, but I think that the but the result of this ends up being that Glimmer just totally shuts everyone out, including yeah. Shadow Weaver at the end. So like it's funny how like it, it, this this also backfires in Shadow Weaver's face as well later on, even though like 
at the end of the day, like this harms everybody. So it's just it's it's in knowing how the season ends up. This conversation ends up being very illuminating as to why Glimmer ends up um, making the types of decisions that she makes, like in terms of shutting Adora and Bo out because she's so focused on wanting to be her own queen and and wanting to set herself apart from uh, from her her mom that she's willing to do these more aggressive things that she was never allowed to do when Angela was in power. Yeah. Yeah. Sam, do you have anything to add to Shadow? Well, do you think it was in Okay, so okay, well here's a question. Do you think we've seen Dark Glimmer yet? Like, I know, like, in the lead up to this season, we were, there was a lot of theories of Dark Glimmer. Is, have we seen Dark Glimmer or no? I don't think so. I don't Why? think so. I think Dark Glimmer is coming. I think, I don't know. So we kind of went all in on that hype train of Dimmer. Dimmer, is that really what they call it? (laughs) Dimmer. It it was not Um, a joke. It was very serious. But obviously, you know, you have to have a point B between A and C, right? Right. So the season, I would guess, is point B. But I wonder, like, are we going to get Dark Glimmer in the spaceship? Is that going to happen? Is she going to be the big boss, the final villain? That would be a fun twist. I don't think that's going to happen. But I I think she has more depths to fall through. Okay. I I, I would say that I think we did see Dark Glimmer in this season because, like, the decision at the end of the season to like activate all the all the princesses against Shira's wishes. Shira, the one person who like knows what, like what all this works, and Glimmer's just like, nah, I need the power. It's like that that that's pretty dark and like very again like this is a very much like a shadow weaver influence decision for her to make so like i i personally think that that's the lowest we'll see glimmer because it was tough to see glimmer like make such a bad decision like out of uh, out of haste like that so um it starts from this episode and it, it progresses to there but i i think that that's that's pretty much the dark glimmer we're gonna get and i enjoyed it i i think that it was dark enough because it, like the, the, what what hurts the most is seeing the di- the distancing between Glimmer and her old friends, and like that that in itself is is true darkness. And this show focused so much on friendship and love. So, yeah, d- dark Glimmer happened, and I I enjoyed the darkness Aww, that we got. The real darkness is shoving away your friend. friends. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I... that's nice, but not I... nice. um i will say i don't i agree with sam i don't think we've seen dark glimmer yet and i'll tell you why i wish you know there was that point in the episode where she has to pick between catra and the bomb right it's like catra tells her like all right well either you catch me or you stop this bomb from going off but then the show does this thing where instead of actually forcing glimmer to make a decision instead it just conveniently has catra falling like a, a a giant iron bar falling on Katra and trapping her I kind of wish we had seen that choice I wanted it obviously um I I, I, I don't know maybe the and maybe this is why the sh- I'm I think that dark glimmer is still to come because we oh, have yet you're, to you're act- talking about specifically this episode 
yes, this is what the podcast is about. Is this episode? Oh, no, but no, okay. no, 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 no. I did ask Dirk Glimmer in general. That I did yeah, ask yeah, in general. Because, yeah, I would agree. In this, in this episode, no, she's no, no, not no, no, Dirk no, 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 Glimmer. No, 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 no. I'm seeing, no, I was talking about the season overall. But I'm talking about in this episode, there was an opportunity to kind of show that at the end of the day, Glimmer is good at heart. Which is, instead of picking, following Katra, she would follow, she would stop the bomb at the end of the day. Instead, we got that moral decision, that choice of, am I going to pick the bomb or am I going to pick Katra? We didn't get that choice from her, you know? So I kind of wish we had, because what if she had chosen Katra? Maybe, like, I, I don't know, like, we don't, it said that the half of the Whispering Woods would have blown up. We don't know if Adora was that close. We don't know. So... Um, I kind of wish we ha- she had been forced to make that choice instead of had that choice taken away from her. Um, she, I don't know. She might have picked Catra. And I feel like when she is allowed to make that choice, and we have seen in previous seasons that she is, like, she is willing to go far. And there's always someone, whether it's Bo or Adora, who pulls her back. So it's kind of like, all right, well, especially at the end of next season where she's not going to have either of them. She's going to have Catra by her side. It's like... Well, what if, like, we do see a darkness in her, like, more of, like, having to make that moral choice? Because while, yes, the, the choice she makes at the end, at the, in the finale is, uh, morally ambiguous, cause yes, like, but at the end of the day, she's doing, she's more taking it like a ends justify the means kind of thing. She says, we have to win this war, so we need this power. She's not saying, oh, I'm power hungry and I want to destroy everything. She's like, no, this is a strategic thing. Well, there, there's a very fine line there. <laughs> totally, there's a very fine line there, but I'm saying that it's not inherently an evil, dark thing to do. Um, so it's kind of like, you know, it's like, you know, she's not opening the portal for selfish reasons. She's trying to save Etheria, but then it's like she doesn't have all the information that Adora and Bo have found out later on. Because even then, yeah, she is the one who knows it all. She doesn't know it until she goes to see Entrapta and stuff, like, completely. Right? So, personally, I'm just like, I think there's still a little bit of darkness there. I want to see her have to make a choice. And if we are going to get Dark Glimmer having her pick the wrong choice. Because right now, it's kind of like... It's more, she's thinking like a queen. It's like, yeah, it's morally ambiguous, but I wouldn't go so far as to say like, oh, like she knew every, she knew all the facts and is willing to do the bad thing, if that makes any sense. And I think that's what makes the finale so compelling. It's like, she is, like, they're all kind of, it's just miscommunication that's the problem. And it's like, and it's this weird thing where like information is like not, not everyone knows everything and everyone finds out, finds out at the, like in a stagnated way and stuff. So that was why I find so interesting and compelling where it's like Glimmer doesn't think she's wrong. Whereas like, I'm like, well, I want her to just go to a place where she has to make a choice of do I pick what's, um, what, like something bad or do I pick, like, do I, do I succumb to kind of anger or do I succumb to, or do I not succumb to it? Does she fall to the dark side? That's kind of what I want to see a little bit more later. Um, but again, that's just me. Um, let's talk about Katra, who had no problem trying to kill Bo. She even asked, like, oh, did he, like, blow up? <laughs> and that didn't work. Um, that's really interesting. Katra, we know, has fallen to the depths of darkness. Um, but she's also, again, we have this really interesting interaction at the end of the episode where Double Trouble saves her. And then she's all like, yay, like, I, you know, she just really want, is like friends with Double Trouble. And then Double Trouble goes like, so where's my money? I think that's like a really interesting kind of thing where we finally have a, char- a character in a way that's more Catra than Catra, if that makes any sense. Mm. What do you think about that take of Double Trouble? Uh, I get maybe maybe double trouble is like 
a little bit more of the archetype of what we think of Katra to be, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, 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 like they fit, like, you know, the sexy, uh, mischievous, like, I don't give uh, a care in the world about what this person thinks. I'm just going to go and do what I want to do when what fits my needs. When Katra is full of a lot of anxiety and worry about, like, what other people think. Right, right. Do you, Alex, do you think Double Trouble cares about Katra? Or no? Like, like truly cares about Katra? Not really. I mean, Double Trouble wants this experience to be as fun as possible so they can both uh, enjoy the chaos. That the, I think Double Trouble loves chaos. And, I see, I and see. So, so, so Double Trouble does do it for the money, but I, I think they, they also do it for the enjoy. I think that they even say something about like the enjoyment of watching your enemies fall or something like that. So Double Trouble takes some pride in their, in their work. And uh, Katra, like Katra does things sometimes to torture people, but also for uh, to like prove something to people as well. Like Katra's out trying to like prove herself to Hordak or prove herself to Adora in the early part of the, of the show. So like Katra is motivated by different things than Double Trouble. So because, because of that, I think that Double Trouble doesn't, it's not a real personal connection that they have to Katra right now. Right, right. Um, do you think Double Trouble is a chaotic neutral or a chaotic evil? No, I'm just kidding. Um, mm, it's like somewhere, somewhere in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> because there's the chaotic good, chaotic neutral, chaotic evil. So does Double Trouble fall in chaotic neutral or well, no? It ends up being chaotic neutral, right? Because yeah, they, they, right. they switch, they switch over to the, to the, to the, um, to the light, light moon, right moon side anyway. Yeah. So can they just be chaotic? I mean, that's true. Yeah, that, that's chaotic can, neutral. They, they are chaotic. Just chaotic. Just sides. chaotic. Um, all right. All right. Fair. Um, so the other half of this episode, outside of Glimmer, outside of, of, of um, Shadow Weaver and Catra, is the action missions that were happening with Adora and Bo and Natasha and Spinnerella. Um, I mean, that's the big reason why this episode is good <laughs> or why i think of it fondly because of um these the two characters these two lesbians who are super adorable and i hate to say this i don't care about well like, let, 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 let's go to sam first i want to hear please, please defend the love of natas and spinnerella oh my god i'm not like i wasn't like in there with a the magnifying glass in season <laughs> one Jeez, like i didn't i barely remembered what they looked like <laughs> But, you know, I thought, they, I mean, they were cute. And, you know, I can appreciate, like, a cute couple doing cute couple things. But, you know, I, I do agree with you, Beatrice. That, like, I don't really care about, like, their lives or, I mean, I guess I care if they live or die, obviously. I'm not, like, a monster. <laughs> but, like, you know, I, I, like, I don't, like, care to know what they're always up to, you know? You don't want to watch their board game nights? Yeah, you don't no. want to go to game night? I mean, I would go to that, but I wouldn't want to watch it. <laughs> I mean, all right. So you're right. It was adorable. Um, I loved the the forehead kiss at the end. And, you know, if this were any other show, 
any other show, I'd be, I'd think, oh goodness, one of them is going to die at the end, right? It's like, oh, uh, Glimmer's using Adora as a decoy, um, which also big, big thing. Glimmer's using Adora as a decoy, um, which also, by the way, if Adora knows that she's a decoy, is it bad for Glimmer to use her as a decoy, or is it, or no? Cause that's uh, something. It's like, is yeah. that, is it bad if Adora's like in on it? Like if Adora's like, okay, I'm gonna be used as a decoy, cool. Then, cause that to me is like smart strategic planning. You know, if we know what, well, anyway, point, that, that's side of point. Um, but yeah, if this were any other show, I'd, I'd be so, I'd be so scared for Natasha and Spinnerella because shows tend to kill their lesbian couples. You yeah. Know, they just have this tendency. But I, this show has gained my trust. So I know that they're not going to die. I know that they're, or they're not going to, it's not going to be some, if there's a character that's going to, like, ob- again, and there's been so many character deaths, and usually the deaths are big and important and meaningful. So I knew that they were going to be okay. Um, but yeah, I don't, and, and, and I, and it's crazy that I'm making this, but when, I mean, I just, because granted, I had just seen, um, after I was after before rewatching these episodes, I watched the latest episode of Ruby, where ha- where you had these two characters that you got to know in like in six se- for six seasons, finally are flirting on screen together, and it felt so satisfying, right? Finally, the two people finally get together, and this is characters that we care about outside of their sexuality. You know, it's like I they're fully formed characters beyond that, and you know them, you get to know them, and they're finally flirting with each other on screen. And it's like the greatest feeling in the world. And I'm just thinking, like, as nice as this is, as nice as it is to see Natasha and Spinarella, like, being like a couple, and then everyone, and then kind of try, I like, people just like, if they're like having this like kind of play fighting, everyone just being like, I, I don't, I, being awkward, and it's lovely, and it's like, adorable. I just couldn't help but think, you know, it wouldn't it be cool if they have had if they had the development of a Perfuma or a Mermista? Like again, I'm not asking them to be like the center stage. Like I'm not asking them to be at this on the same level as Bo and Adora and Glimmer. I'm just saying like they're princesses too, and you kind of forget yeah. that. You exactly. know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like everybody was like, not everybody. Dylan was like, oh, Spinarella and Natasha. And I'm like, who? <laughs> which I feel bad about but like ha- I mean you know the show has a lot to offer just in terms of it's gay stuff and you know this is just like oh yeah they have that those people in the background who are together yeah. and it's they kiss and it's nice I don't know I just it, but like it, I don't care yeah. as much about that man <laughs> yeah I mean I don't know I just maybe it's because like and this is um, where this is something like a rule that I've recently like created for myself where and created for shows where it's like if you can take the characters that are LGBT and cut them out of the show and the show itself can still run like the plot is fine and there's nothing and it's all fine and the show doesn't collapse on itself then you're not really doing LGBT representation great and granted I'm saying like if they were the, and I guess it's because they remind me of the breadcrumbs we would get growing up of like an, in media, like of people just patting themselves on the back for like, see, this is LGBT representation. We did it. Congrats. We're done. And it's kind of like, I, this isn't enough. If this were the only thing again, this, if seeing, seeing the, just Spinnerella and Natasha in a like vacuum, not taking into consideration anything else in the show, then 
I like this would be insulting to me. I think maybe that's why I find I'm not that happy about. I, I, I mean, I think it's cute, but I don't really like care about them, and I'm not letting myself care about them because me ten years ago would have written fan fiction about them. Yeah. But now I would be like, I deserve better than this. Um, and I'm not saying that we need like that there needs to be like a romance between Adora or whatever. Like this is this is not the time. Um, but even like for instance, Bo's dads, right? At least like there was there's more development with Bo's dads in that one episode than we've gotten with Natasha and Spinnerella. Like well, his his dads, like, and also it's because his dads, by virtue of being his dads, we see exploration of Bo. We get to know his family. It's like there's a lot there. Whereas with them, it's like, even when there was like a moment to show some sort of interest where it's like, you know, where all the princesses abandoned them and stuff, it's like nothing. We got nothing. And this was the episode that we could get something. And instead, it's like, nope, we are just going to continue piling on the fact that they're a cute couple. And it's like, great, but I still don't know anything about them. Um, and like the fact that I like Kyle more than I like Natasha and Spinnerella <laughs> is absurd to me, but I do. And it's like, how is that possible? So, Alex, am I a bad gay for this? Uh, I'm the wrong person to ask in regards <laughs> to are you a bad gay. I don't think um, are. Thank you, Sam. But, but I will say, like, a, 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 an issue that, that we've been touched, I mean, Kyle, Lonnie, Rogelio, they have their, I mean, Rogelio, I don't know, but like Kyle and Lonnie, they have their personalities, right? They're yeah. defined. I can't tell you what the real difference is between Natasha and Spinnerella in terms yeah. of how they are. In this episode, they're both competitive, <laughs> and that's it. Like, that's all I got about their personalities. And again, like, we haven't seen them really in significant part since season one. And I don't recall there being much in the way of revealing personality back then either. So I think that's, like, a big part of this. Like, I don't... I, I see them as a couple... But in order to care about a couple, I need to care about the individuals. And I don't I don't know enough about the individuals to accept that. I, I mean, you 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 bring up Kyle like Kyle has a personality. And because of the established personality, when he gets his episode later on the season, it feels consequential because I at least know something about where he's come from. I don't really know that about Natasha and Spinarella. So th- I think that that's. At the end of the day, the big big problem here that just we don't really have much to latch on to. They're this is mean. They're like the bots. I don't I don't, Aww, have, I don't, have, I don't have anything to latch on to the bots. And so, and so it's hard for me to care when they get destroyed. And similarly, like Natasha and Spinnerella, like Spinnerella gets knocked out at some point, and Natasha, I mean, or one of them gets knocked out, and the other comes is like, "Oh, are you okay?" And they're like, "I won, yay!" It's like it, it's cute that they get they do the the forehead thing, but uh, I don't know. Like, would, would I have been shocked? Would I have been heartbroken if like they were, one of them was sick or something? Not really, because I don't know. I don't know anything about them. Yeah. Yeah. You really hit the nail on the head there, Alex, with the, you know, I can't can't care about the couple if you don't care about the individuals. I like that. Yeah, that's a good quote. Very good quote. Um, But yeah, is there anything else from um, episode four that you want to speak on before we wrap up? No. Uh, No. I'm I'm trying to think. Like, was there anything, like, notable with Adora in this episode? Besides, I I guess, like, her main thing is just she's complaining about being a decoy at the end, right? Well, 
also, you know, you do see little cracks of like her blaming herself for get for Poe for for, for Poe for Bo getting hurt. Um, oh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know the whole guilt of like, oh, I'm the I'm at fault here. They're following me, um, and they're tracking me. Um, so I think maybe that's uh, yeah that yeah. we do see for Medora. I think. Um, so yeah, that's the big thing with her. Yeah, so so small small moments for for Adora in terms of setting up her continuing struggles with being She-Ra and like oh uh, like the 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 responsibility that, that carries is sometimes a lot. Oh yeah, and the big reveal when when Glimmer tells Adora and Bo that that Shadow Weaver is going to teach her magic. And then Adora just being like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me? And um, Glimmer, in her grand queenness, just totally ignores her. Is gonna like, eat yeah. some cake. Let him eat cake. I'm going to eat some cake. Um, is basically what Glimmer went out to do. Yeah. Well, Sam, any final thoughts? I don't think so. Okay. okay. I think we're just we're just rolling on into the future. Okay, well, like the bots, they roll, right? Like the rots, yeah. They sometimes roll. They sometimes like crawl. They sometimes explode. Bots. I wish that this show had better disposable villains than the bots, but you know, that's yeah. just what we got. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you can find out all the info on this podcast at overlyanimated.com. You can join us on Discord to text chat about animation at overlyanimated.com slash Discord. You can support us via Patreon at patreon.com slash overlyanimated. Thanks to all our current patrons, especially our patron of the podcast, Lily, aka Panda Lily. And thanks as always to our Patreon executive producers, Ryan, Steve, Alex, Beatrice, Hugh, Michael, and Needle. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.